Hey guys, welcome to the Mainstream Maps Podcast. Uh, before we get into this podcast, go ahead and click the live stream on the YouTube uh, at Mainstream Maps Podcast on YouTube, and you can see our beautiful faces there for about three and a half hours and get our live reactions uh, to everything that happened on this Mavs June 22nd NBA uh, 2023 draft day. Y'all go ahead and go at it. Uh, but before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs Podcast Draft Edition. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron. What is up, guys? We are here now after the Mavericks had probably one of the best draft nights in franchise history. Uh, surprised just about everybody, uh, probably in their own in their own war room, Jaron. I, I don't I don't think that um, the Mavs, you know, longtime employees uh, like Bobby Corolla and uh, you know others of that that nature were even used to this sort of um, style, by you know, from the Mavericks, and that's actually building through the draft, uh, vertical integration and development. Um, you know, not strictly trying to move. Uh, you know, laterally or laterally, you know, uh, via just a, a straight up trade or, um, you know, in, in free agency. And, you know, lateral moves can end up being um, or horizontal moves rather. And, and what I mean by that is just getting NBA players that are, you know, still within the NBA, not not building to the draft. And that's essentially what I kind of denote as vertical integration. But, you know, horizontal moves and, you know, all that sort of stuff is kind of been um you know the the sort of has encapsulated that really this last era uh of Mavericks basketball um really barring that 2018 draft of course with Luca and Jalen Brunson and you know you have to go back to you know Dirk's early days to where they were still drafting seriously it almost seems as if you know once Donnie Nelson you know saw that that team was a contender um he he started you know making trades and uh building through the free agency and draft and, you know, expelling draft picks to do that, uh, not valuing the draft. Right. And back then, I, I think that that was a, a fairly fair practice because uh, the Mavericks were perpetual contenders year after year. And that's Absolutely. the uh, the sort of track that they had to uh, to go on. But uh, come the new collective of bar- bargaining agreement in uh, 2011 and the the sort of stipulations that, that surrounded that and the limitations that that provided um, you know, to some of those uh, earlier trade practice practices, as well as like the length of certain contracts and, you know, the ability to lock players down. Uh, the new CBA was obviously, you know, a lot more player friendly. And it, it sounds weird because it's now even more player friendly. Uh, the new CBA that's about to be in effect this uh, upcoming July 1st. Luckily, there wasn't a lockout or me and Jaron would have nothing to do to fill our free time, but, you know, go stink it up at 24 hour fitness. Um, but, but luckily um, that, that situation did not persist. And, you know, the, we're, we're here today. And by, you know, me saying that we're here today, uh, the Mavericks have finally joined us on a even uh, playing field in terms of their, their, um, their headspace uh, when it comes to drafting and to see how Nico Harrison has treated the draft uh, since, you know, he he's been delegated to be the general manager has uh has been a sight for sore eyes last year not even having a pick um and expelling you know two future seconds to get Jaden Hardy um you know obviously kind of limited the seconds the Mavericks could expel but I mean that obviously ended up you know coming out to be a very good trade uh when it was all said and done especially given the you know rookie year that Jaden Hardy had I mean had he 
had a more consistent role throughout the year. Um, you know, obviously that that may have involved um, a, a little bit more of a, a harsh worky wall at first and uh, uh, probably a couple more L's in the column for the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, had he been getting more consistent minutes all year, but you know, had he, had he played a little more, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, could have made an all rookie team. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I think that this team, uh, so far, uh, you know, in the Nico Harrison era has definitely proven to be much more active, uh, especially around draft time. Uh, you know, I, I think that there is, uh, you know, probably 10 or more scenarios in the Donnie Nelson sort of area where, or era where this team either traded out. Um, or made the wrong move around draft time. Traded um, back and traded and, back. And, yeah, and like, yep. I mean, I think the one that stings most vividly in my mind, uh, you know, right after the the post Dirk years, were, you know, the Mavericks had this, you know, I you, you can call it a window, maybe it was a pseudo window when we had the team of, you know, Monte Ellis, you know, Chandler Parsons, uh, you know, Sean Marion, um, you know, those 2014, 2015 squads. Um, they were honestly, you know, some, some solid, uh, fairly, fairly decent rosters that really just, you know, kind of lacked that, that one, maybe two sort of added, you know, layer of depth that they, they never sort of received. And I mean, you know, I, you know, we can always come back to the, uh, 2013 or 2014 draft, whatever it was when, you know, the Mavericks traded back and selected Shane Larkin right before Giannis and Ted Um, and, you know, to, to look even furthermore, uh, you know, they just haven't had their pick. It almost seems like year after year. And usually them not having their pick um, is conducive to them having traded it, but them also not winning the trade. Yeah. And when you're losing that much between the margins, things tend to get really difficult. And, you know, I, I do think Dallas is a relatively um, big market. I, I don't think that it's, you know, just completely impossible to bring free agents and um, certain, you know, trade targets here if they want to get here, uh, especially with the team that, you know, we're fielding at the moment. And, you know, I, we've obviously had a bad string of luck over the years, for, you know, DeAndre, the DeAndre or Jordan saga and, and some other things in free agency. Um, but at the end of the day, the most, you know, safe way to, to build a team is, is through the draft and you have to, incor- and, and I think, you know, to really do your due diligence as a, as a GM, you know, you have to, you know, not just strictly build through the draft, not just strictly build through free agency and trades, but, you know, have that sort of equilibrium between the three. Um, because even in big markets where, you know, executives and owners can almost be spoon fed um, some of these bigger names, um, you know, not built, you know, having that foundation of, you know, having uh, good role players on your team, in the first place uh, can obviously come back to bite you um, and not, um, you know, valuing the draft and, and, you know, at least having some sort of developmental core there um, to to sort of carry the torch um, and and take, you know, and and learn from the veterans on the roster. So, uh, I mean, that, that's a huge component. You, you do at least need to draft some, It, it can't be just completely neglected and, you know, while the Mavericks have definitely, you know, started to improve on that aspect, you know, like in the 2020 draft where things kind of didn't really work out for them, Donnie Nelson's last draft. And, you know, then of course in 2021, they didn't really have much, you know, leniency or, or, uh, or room to work with there, not, yeah. you know, owing their, their pick to the Knicks. But then, you know, last year, these moves with Jaden Hardy. And then this year, you know, we, we cap it off with, 
in, uh, you know, a sort of triumphant fashion um, where, where Nico Harrison had to deliver on draft night, not just, you know, this off season, the Mavericks, you know, had so many holes last year that, you know, it was paramount with this 10th pick um, that they benefited from the draft, even if they traded it entirely. Uh, they had to come out of draft night specifically with a good grade. It wasn't like last year um, where, you know, he didn't really have the, um, you know, pressure to, um, you know, interfere with him whatsoever, where he had already traded that 26 pick before the draft. And, you know, then they chose to buy in on Jaden Hardy. Uh, th there was, you know, no sort of outside factors like that contributing. Uh, Nico Nearson had to nail this draft and, you know, damn it, he did. Uh, he He came in. Uh, at the 10th pick, um, Jaron and I live streamed the, you know, basically the entirety of the first round. We were wanting to go the whole thing, um, but uh, three hours with no food and like one bathroom break um, was, a, was a little bit more strenuous than we thought. But, um, you know, that's um, it, it wasn't really that bad of a situation. It just started to get, you know, oh, a little, steamy. A little uh, you know, yeah, just. A, a little kind of skim around the edges, a little boring once, you know, the, the Mavericks uh, didn't necessarily have anything to do, but we were still keeping up with it on our phones and still watching, still watching it. But the, the whole live streaming aspect and being overtly engaged in it was just, it kind of just kind of fell off after the first round. But um, I mean, needless to say um, we were as, as excited as ever during the live stream, um, but also, you know, had frantic anticipation as the um, picks were going up. And the uh, clock was going down from from one to ten, and you know to have seen Cam Whitmore in that position, uh, Jaron and I, you know, this was before the Woj report and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, we see the 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 play from the Mavericks to trade down to number twelve, and obviously offload the Bertans contract um, because you know Oklahoma Oklahoma City is a team where they could take that money on. And, you know, it obviously created a trade exception for the Mavericks. And, you know, there were no other moving parts to the deal. Um, the Mavericks essentially just moved back two spots to get off a contract, um, which in itself is a honestly a, a, a really good way to get off a contract. You, they didn't have to attach any capital. Uh, and really, I mean, uh, moving back two spots, you know, could be something that comes back to severely haunt them years later. You just never know how this draft is going to pan out, of course. Um, and you never know how any of these guys are going to pan out. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it's definitely not a move that was, you know, blinded or anything like that. It, it was a very, you know, pretty steady, favorable deal for both sides. And, you know, they they go on to select Derek Lively II, um, the uh, seven foot one center out of Duke. Uh, you can catch our draft profile out on him because, you know, we, we did our homework um, last year when we selected Jaden Hardy. I think we had just begun the podcast right after the draft, right maybe yeah, yeah, or maybe right before. No, we had, we had technically started a draft night. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a big colossal failure. And then yes. we started it, I think, two or three days after draft night. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much what uh, kind of catalyzed the podcast. But, yeah, I mean, as yeah. far as tonight goes, and uh, it, I mean, it's funny. It. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, we, we actually got the – message pop up on you know the Spotify for podcasters app the other day um that it was like our one year anniversary of the podcast and um you know to see despite uh you know such a horrendous season 
um, you know, to see, you know, all our, you know, our sort of sum of all fear uh, scenario of the Mavericks, you know, screwing this night up, you know, and, you know, just, just also just a much more important night um, than really a lot of draft nights that I can remember in terms of the weight that it holds to the franchise in the long run. Um, you know, all our expectations uh, were, were met, um, you know, and uh, above and beyond for that matter. And me and Jaron were, you know, obviously really engaged in the live stream. We appreciate any of you guys that came on to the live stream. Um, you can, it'll be posted. Um, the link will be on our Twitter. You can also find it under our live streams on YouTube. Um, but as we were watching, um, we obviously, you know, saw the whole Cam Whitmore slide as you guys um, we're obviously following along with two, I presume, unless, you know, you, you fed into the uh, the new era policy of only, you know, watching the draft via Twitter. Um, but, you know, me and Jaron are um, we're, we're too much of basketball nerd heads to, you know, take practice with that. So um, there was obviously a lot of anticipation. And then once Cam Whitmore was still available at 12, uh, me and Jaron were honestly shocked. We, we thought the Mavericks had just pulled off the, the fleece of the century. Um, and, and we were really, really hyped up for uh, what was about to come into fruition. Um, but then, you know, obviously they, they select Derek Lively the second. And in hindsight, it was a, a great choice for yeah. where they were slated. And, you know, the fact that they did, there wasn't really, you know, just the fact that they were able to trade back, you know, they may, they may have took him slightly preemptively, you know, compared to where he was projected, but it was still a really good trade. And, you know, if, if the holdup in that Atlanta deal, was um Clint Capella at the end of the day instead of John Collins and that's the reason they didn't do it you know I mean I can live with that and yeah. it's not you know John Collins is a guy I really covet and and that would be a cool scenario but he he, he you know I'm not going to say he's Christian Wood 2.0 because you know I've talked on another podcast how they definitely have slight variances in their game and you know I do think Collins is a little bit more of a surefire um you know sort of plug and play guy that's not gonna uh, you know, require as much offensive attention, if that makes any sense. Um, but, you know, he, he definitely draws a lot of similarities to that in his game. And, you know, unless the Mavericks had a scenario where they were going to be able to pair him with a big, um, which I think Jason Kidd is a, you know, has been a little bit more keen to running two wings in a big, uh, you know, preferably a, a bigger wing at that four spot. Yeah. Um, but you know, definitely a guy that, you know, is, is going to be able to guard those bigger scoring wings, um, play good defense and, you know, hopefully, you know, have somewhat of a non one dimensional, uh, game on the offensive side, even if it's, you know, his primary thing is shooting threes or primary thing is cutting. He get at least sprinkle in a little bit of both or development or develop towards that at, uh, at some, you know, point in his career. And, uh, if, you know, and the, and the Mavericks were able to, you know, get that at, at 24, even later on. Um, but, you know, to sort of cycle back to the, the John Collins thing, um, I, I do think that, you know, just given the position where they were at at 12, like in, in knowing that they weren't going to be able to, there, there probably maybe wasn't another deal at the time to trade back even further. Uh, obviously it appears so, you know, they, they get their guy at a, position lower than they were at which is you know by default that's a win and uh obviously nico comes through even later in the draft and ends up flipping that same trade exception that was created in the oklahoma city thunder deal to um you know basically buy off 
uh, pick 24, as well as Rashawn Holmes from the Kings in a uh, salary dump. Now the Kings have a trade exception. Uh, and we have, I think, 3.1 million left in ours. Yeah. So it was a, a wild sort of turn of events. But um, from a cap strategy perspective, um, you know, from a front office, uh, you know, just management and asset perspective, um, it, it was honestly probably the the best case scenario from the night. It's not incredibly flashy, um, but to get, uh, you know, a rangy long uh, a wing that, you know, can project um, hopefully is a, you know, great three and D player one year at, at some point in his career, a guy that, you know, honestly probably has more of the, you know, non, you know, one dimensional three and D intangibles in uh, Olivier um, Maxi, what I want. Uh, Maxwell's or um, oh, we're gonna get flamed on the podcast. We're gonna get flamed. Uh, uh, so I had it in my head, like it's you know, ingrained before we started here, and it is uh, it is just somehow le- leaving me. Max Sense Prosper, there yes, uh, Olivier Max Sense Prosper. I forgot, I forgot the end, of right course, there. you know, Adam Marquette. Um, you know, we were able to watch a little on him, and I mean, this is a guy that is not you know, entirely one dimensional. Um, in fact, he's honestly, you know, quite the opposite. And if anything, you know, the three-point shot is going to be something that is going to be what he needs to work on. Um, but, you know, from a defensive perspective, seven-foot-one wingspan, you know, can maybe add a little bit more bulk, bulk to him at some point in his career. But, uh, I mean, he's an individual that projects really well. Um, that was, you know, honestly probably one of, if not the best prospect available uh, at 24. And for the Mavericks to be able to snag that, use that salary, um, as well as Rashawn Holmes, who, you know, unfortunately does have like a trade kicker um, that that adds like three point one million to his salary that since he you know gets a bonus for being traded, or or else we'd be having like another like six point something million dollar trade yeah. exception that could even be even more useful. But I mean to to make those two moves, and you know, in terms of you know, Mark Cuban. You know, having that quote before the draft of we want to change our whole center rotation, I didn't necessarily take that verbatim. Um, now I, I'm starting to believe it a little bit. And, you know, I, I was worried that that meant that they were just going to strictly prioritize, you know, centers over wing depth. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think that uh, this this team still knows that they, they do have some holes on the wing still, even with Olivier uh, joining. And, um, you know, while, while big man is a situation that, has definitely been provided a little bit more of a, uh, you know, stable solution, having brought in, you know, two bigs um, with that Rashawn Holmes move, who has been rumored to be coming to Dallas forever. He finally comes here on an expiring contract um, as court, of course, as well as, you know, the highly touted prospect Derek Lively, a second, um, you know, despite that, it's not like that is a completely questionless big man rotation. Yeah. They also still have a lot of excess, bigs that you know are going to have to be um you know likely you know traded elsewhere at some point so you know that they're just setting themselves up to be able to make um uh, you know even more um moves as as we approach the offseason more mainstream moves and you know that that's what, what i'm essentially trying to get at here is that you know not only did the mavericks have Yes, they had a, a pretty like wildly successful draft uh, in terms of the guys that they got, but they had you know an A plus 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 draft in terms of the asset management. Here's what the Mavericks essentially accomplished in the night, right? 
Um, they get Derek Lively, a guy that, you know, they had been possibly coveting at, even at 10, uh, two spots later and get off Davis Breton's contract. Uh, that's a huge one in itself, um, especially once the the Cam Whitmore dust had settled and me and Jaron saw him slip a little bit more. We we realized that there was probably something more than uh, to the effect of, you know, just his thumb injury that he had last year because yeah. we were honestly kind of bewildered at the Derek Lively pick, not because we didn't like him or not because we didn't think he'd be a good fit. We raved about him for 47 minutes. Like I said, you can go check out that podcast. Um, but it, it was more so, you know, because – uh, Cam Whitmore was just, you know, a sort of irrefutable prospect to pass up in that range. And, you know, once we, you know, saw that, you know, he, he continually slid and, you know, Woju came out and said that there were some concerns in terms of his pre-draft interviews and some of his individual workouts, you know, things started to, to make a little bit more sense. And, um, you know, that's when, you know, the, the genius uh, of Nico Harrison was on full display and, you know, I, I my, my simpleton being had to humble myself a little bit and uh, realize that, um, you know, in, in this instance, like the, the the Mavericks, you know, they they had the draft covered all along. They they did their homework, you know, far ahead and away, you know, before everybody else. And, um, you know, Nico and Jaron actually told me this, but, you know, Nico even as much told, you know, Olivier that, you know, they would they were going to go try to go get him on draft night. And they did that. And I mean, that's. Um, that's just a, a great way in terms of, you know, how they're operating as an organization. I, I can't tell you how many times I, I've just felt, you know, outright embarrassed as a fan for M- Mark Cuban saying some out of pocket shit that gets a player disgruntled that makes guys like not want to be in Dallas, uh, to, you know, to have a guy that's so, um, you know, intertwined with all these different players across the league and Nico, um, but also so willing and savvy, uh, to listen to, you know, his fellow cap strategists and, and guys that know basketball like like Finley. But, you know, you can see Nico picking up stuff. Um, the Mavericks come out of this night with, um, you know, still $3.1 million left in a trade exception. Um, they come out of this night with Derek Lively, the second uh, promising young center um, that, you know, depending on how things go, could be a day one starter. Um potential all-rookie candidate, just depending on how he goes. I mean, we'll talk a lot more about his potential and stuff like that, um, you know, later in probably other episodes. But, you know, they, they get that. They also get, you know, Olivier uh, Maxence Prosper, of course, you know, a uh, a solid, you know, th- potential, um, pretty dynamic defensive wing there at, at 24 that was, you know, probably uh, maybe a top five, six wing in the class. Yeah. You know, and uh, they get him and and Rashawn Holmes to sort of shore up the center rotation. Yes, he's not the, you know, a crazy rim protector, um, but he's a fairly dynamic offensive center that, you know, maybe hasn't really got to play as much as he wanted to in Sacramento due to, you know, their play style with Sabonis and, you know, how up-tempo they are and the way they run things now. He is 29 he would have been, you know, much more of a dream for the Mavericks a few years ago. I, I I still think he can definitely be a serviceable big off the bench. You know, he's still in the middle of his prime. Uh, he's still, you know, like I said, he's really good in the short roll with that little push shot. He's still a, a guy that, you know, at that 6'9", maybe 6'10 frame, while he is a little bit undersized as a center, he's still uber athletic. Uh, he's a dog. He chases after rebounds really hard. Um, and you know, he's a guy that you can stick on some fours 
and have him guard on the perimeter a little bit, you know, even some threes at some different points. And he's also, you know, a guy that uh, is not going to, you know, shy away in, ter- in terms of, you know, being able to guard some of those those smaller bigs one-on-one. He's a, he's a decent one-on-one defender. Um, he's a good, you know, rotational defender in space, you know, just due to his his size, obviously it, it just, and, you know, his lack of an insane wingspan, it obviously kind of hurts his, um, you know, his rim protection and his ability to to guard, you know, some of the huger, you know, Jokic's and Embiid's. But, I mean, he can most definitely, you know, add to the bullpen effect of the centers off the bench. And, uh, you know, the Mavericks make that, those two moves. Uh, then they get, honestly, like one of the better undrafted free agents right after the draft. And um, Mike. Um, Mike. Uh, uh, Mike Miles. Mike Miles. At and, TCU. Uh, what's and, his uh, name? Jordan Walker yeah, at Jordan, UAB, yeah. who is a 5'11 guard, but, you know, is conference, conference, conference USA player of the year last year. Um, or right, two years ago. Two or years two years ago. ago yeah. You know, it's a guy that was you know, perpetually dropping 30, 40 points. Um I think I don't know the construct of his deal, but Mike Miles is on a two-way deal. So I mean, he's you know uh, unless the um, details of that end up um, you know getting changed or the Mavericks end up dropping that at some point after summer league or, or what have you, um, he he's going to be a Maverick that's you know going to see time up at the uh, the NBA level as well as with the Legends this upcoming year. Um, you know, so I mean, I mean they get three guys total, uh, two of which will have you know. Probably, uh, you know, uh, we'll see decent playing time next year. In Lively's case, significant playing time. Uh, Olivier, you know, it's kind of it's going to depend on how raw he is, how much of a stamp in the rotation he's going to be able to make. Um, I mean, you know, they do that, get homes, and on top of that, they clear cap in the Bretons move. They have twelve. And they now have you know the full mid level exception, uh, which you know with to the TV deals and the salary cap rising year after year. Is now at a brisk twelve point four million. You know, contrary to when we handed Reggie Bullock at the a few years ago, it was a little under ten. Um, they the, so they have that to work with in terms of having some cap space and free agency. They have around fifty some odd million dollars in cap space before re-signing Kyrie. So I, I don't exactly know what Kyrie's deal is going to be, but um, I, I don't even know if they can give him that much money. Yeah, I don't. Uh, know I, they they should still have a little room to work with from that perspective. And they keep their their most important asset, you know, besides the number 10 pick, of course, um, in, in that 2027 first in their back pocket. Um, and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock and Maxi Kleber and, and JaVale McGee and, um, you know, Jaden Hardy and Josh Green. Um, you know, the last two of which I, I don't think that they would be really trading in, until they do the cash all their chips in trade, if that's going to be something that, you know, has to sort of come out of the water in a couple of years if, you know, building a, a team full of good role players uh, with a surrounding superstar or two um, is it, just not going to work. Um, you know, they, they have that option in their back pocket, but I mean, man, they just have a lot more flexibility right now. Um, and they have a, you know, such an increased ability to be able to make a, a ton of different moves. And uh, it's, you know, really the, the first time since I've been a Mavericks fan uh, where I can say that they've, had this this layer of comfortability around this time of year where they absolutely nailed the draft and there's still much more to do and they can still get much better and they set themselves up in a position to where they can honestly make a couple more moves and I think even you know they anticipated I think the Maverick and in my head I was thinking this team was 
you know, doing going to have an off season of maybe three moves uh, essentially between their, their pick, you know, and whatever they did with that. And then, you know, maybe another trade or two, but I mean, hell, like they already had two moves on draft night. Um, I, I think that they're poised at least to make a few more. Uh, it, it's an exciting time to be a fan. Obviously we're going to have to see how all this translates to, you know, the, the court as, as we come up this next year. And that's going to, you know, dictate, you know, whether or not any of this actually even matters because it is a draft at the end of the day. And we don't know exactly what could happen, but I mean, man, uh, what a, what a hell of a way to start the, uh, the 2023, uh, 2024 season, Jaron. Um, I, I obviously kind of just got off everything that <laughs> I need to say in the entire podcast. You know, I, this obviously is one where, you know, I don't, I don't think an intro is necessarily, uh, necessary at this yeah. point, but Jaron, um, you know, I, I kind of just spoke amongst an an open forum in regards to my you know excitement um, here today. You know, I the floor is yours, my man. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you definitely went off for quite a while, and yeah. I I mean, similar to Will, we we share the same sort of sentiment uh, as far as these moves go. Um, you know, as you said before, Nico Harrison, you know, he knew that he needed to come in tonight, uh, make some notable moves, and you know, as far as I can see, those notable moves happened. Um, you know, two mil- two moves happening uh, as of June 22nd, draft night. Uh, and, you know, he tweeted or not tweeted, but um, I believe it was, uh, who was it? Um, who, uh, someone tweeted, uh, notable tweet, uh, Brad Townsend. Brad Townsend tweeted uh, that, you know, they, they weren't done. Uh, Nico Harrison was ready to make more moves. After, um, this is after, the after draft, draft night. The after draft night. Presser. Yeah. And yeah. He, he said, we're not done. We're making more moves. Uh, and that's only motivating. No, he said, that's, so we're not done. This is just the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah, that's and that is. <laughs> we've heard the cliche. We're not done quote from Donnie Nelson, but uh, this one feels different. Nah, I mean, never has he thrown in. Uh, this is just the beginning. Yeah, this is. Just... Uh, nah, I mean, you got to have some you got to have another added layer of certainty to say that, because, you know, if he doesn't come through with some with some shit for the fan base. Yeah, I, I, I don't even mean I didn't mean it like that. But if he if he doesn't come through and uh, at least making more moves for the fan base. Um, you know, that, that he's, he's basically just setting himself up to be uh, a scapegoat. A scapegoat. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. I, I mean, like he is very adamant that he knew that this team was multiple moves away. Hell, I think Nico may think that the Mavericks are more moves away than we do, Jaron. We thought maybe three or four. I mean, they're, they're poised to be able to potentially make in, in total this off season, maybe five moves, you know, just depending on how uh, I, I definitely at least see another trade. There's, there's no way. That in at least in my opinion, that they head into training camp with uh that conglomerate and, and log jam at the center position with Maxi, uh JaVale, um, Dwight on a minimum, I guess. Yeah. Uh Derek Lively and then Rashawn Holmes. Um, I mean, that's that's just too many bodies that are unnecessary uh in the in the modern NBA, especially uh when some of those guys aren't all too dissimilar in their play style. And, you know, he, he also probably recognizes that he's going to have to, you know, trade some of that up. He also recognizes just how dire the situation is that, you know, this, this offseason, like I said, after after last year, like this is a team that needs to push the chips and get to the Western Conference Finals. Me and Jaron were hyper, you know, not hypercritical, but we were almost like disappointed at the trade deadline that they didn't push all the chips in. I'm honestly starting to see the bigger vision now, Jaron. I, I think we may have need to be a little bit more patient because 
you know, it is a lot more easier to, to make these sort of flexibility driven moves. And with the Mavericks in such a precarious position where that, that only asset they really had left was a 2027 um, first, uh, they put themselves in a position to where uh, they can probably use that um, in aggregate with like a Tim Hardaway Jr. and maybe another guy. Um, you know, this is definitely a situation where this team could still make like probably two more trades and use, you know, that that mid-level exception or split it into two. There's just a variety of options. Uh, I, I'm just extremely excited. It was a, it was an ace on the night and in terms of Lively and, um, you know, Maxence Prosper. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited for the sort of archetype of players that they brought in. You know, this is a very deep draft. There's a lot of guys that I loved in this draft. Um, a lot of guys that weren't even necessarily the best fits for this for this Mavericks team that I, I would have even been okay with just because of how deep this draft class was. But um, the Mavericks, I think, found the perfect sort of equilibrium of um, prioritizing fit, um, but as you know, not um, deviating too much from talent either. And I mean, I I, I got it off my chest, Jaren. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I'm just happy as fuck. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's pretty much sums it up. But yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, you know, we share the same sentiment. As far as tonight goes, uh, you know, I, I think that they pretty much hit an A-plus home run move. Uh, I mean, you know, of course, shedding the salary of Davis Pertons, which was such a negative con- uh, contract, finding a way to positively trade him, uh, ending up pick, uh, ending up with the 12th pick and selecting Derek Lively II. Uh, I mean, a good rim protector. And, you know, uh, Mark Cuban went on earlier, 105.3. Uh, and pretty much voiced his opinion that uh, rim protector was at the utmost importance. And you said um, that, you know, they, they thought that their vision would kind of be clouded by uh, having a rim protector as their utmost need. But of course they go on and they uh, use that sort of trade exception that they got um, from the Davis Bertans trade. And they trade with the Sacramento Kings for the 24th overall pick. Um, and that Rashawn Holmes and picking up Olivier, uh, you know, prosper uh, i mean this maxence prosper like i mean picking up a wing in the process and another center uh you know you add two centers on that roster that instantly sort of changes the the sort of projection or the sort of uh i guess you know look of this team and then you add a young six eight six seven forward uh with a seven foot one wingspan high defensive potential uh again you know he's only 19 years old, I believe, has the ability to uh, develop a shot, develop an offensive game. Uh, I mean, the the sky's the limit for what this team could possibly do. You know, uh, he had some pre-draft comments, uh, you know, before he even knew where he was going to be going uh, that pretty much said he was, he himself came out and said that he was able to plug in anywhere, do the little things right. Um, He's not going to be a guy that's going to score 20 a night is what he said, but he's going to grab rebounds. He's going to play defense. He's going to go after the loose balls. uh, He's going to block shots be in the right rotations, all of the small intangibles is what he said he's going to bring to an NBA roster. And I mean, that's only promising again, you know, we're going to have to see that on court. Um, But look, you know, young talent, uh, this team going into tonight outside of the 10th pick didn't have very many assets and they just accumulated a a lot of young talent uh, in one night uh, with of course, 19 year old, uh, you know, Max uh, Maxence Prosper and you know 19 year old Derek Lively the second I I, I mean heck I, I, mean, I, I like like me and Jaron discussed yeah. this ad nauseum that we really didn't even have the foresight to be able to like predict some of these moves like you know we had talked about salary shedding uh and, and what that could look like uh, in terms of you know potentially on maybe more of a 
uh, of a macro scale, kind of like what the Knicks did last year. Um, but we didn't, you know, just talk about it in terms of like just jump, dump, you know, jump, oh my God, just dumping Breton's contract and then, you know, creating a trade exception uh, that they could then use, you know, effective immediately at the draft um, in a, you know, in today's NBA where trade exceptions are, you know, exceptionally hard to use. Now, obviously it's a lot easier to use this time of year, but uh, I mean to, you know, find you know, a somewhat disgruntled, you know, backup big that can help. Um, that That's a rarity in itself because there's not a lot of disgruntled backup bigs um, that, can help because they're they're disgruntled and backups for you know a reason yeah and in Rashawn Holmes case you know he, he's not the you know cure-all to any of this and you know he'll probably come off the bench but I mean he definitely provides a certain skill set and I mean he can definitely be resourceful he's on an expiring contract and you know if he does somewhat productive uh, productive and they need another chip they can always look to move him at the deadline I, I mean just in terms of you know keeping your books open giving you more options um, and, and giving you in, even increased flexibility, you know, as we hit the next deadline with like that Rashawn Holmes thing. I mean, I did, like Nico, I mean, he hit the nail on the head with this sort of stuff. I mean, like, you know, we, we talk about really good GMs and executives. I mean, you know, to to he essentially spearheaded that that, you know, Maxian's uh, prosper move, um, you know, absorbing that into the trade exception. And, you know, it, it's just really readily impressive um, to be able to accomplish you know, those two moves and the way in which they work together, um, you know, in, in terms of how like synchronized they were, you know, back to back, they um, were, you know, sort of codependent on each other. And um, I don't know, it's just, it, it's just a beautiful, you know, thing how he was able to operate on draft night. It's, you know, for a guy that I think a lot of us had a lot of skepticism of, you know, coming in, not knowing much about this Nike you know, you know, shoe sales guy, um, you know, barring the fact that he had really good relationships with players. Uh, I mean, he's he's definitely proven that he can work within a, a front office, um, take, you know, constructive feedback from his own employees within, you know, Michael F Finley and others um, and, you know, Dennis Lindsay, some of the other guys that they brought into that to that room and uh, really go to work, but also use his own relationships uh, and his own knowledge of, of player movement and, and agents and things of that nature to be able to facilitate this. And uh, that's some high level sort of cap strategy right there. You know, I, I know that the Mavericks brought in a cap strategist a couple years ago, Andrew something from the Nets. And oh, and, yeah, yeah. And maybe Andrew Baker. I can't remember specifically, but me and Jaron, you know, have definitely poked fun at that guy that we don't even know his exact name uh, completely probably at least, you know, over 10 times throughout the season Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, some sort of snotty, you know, sarcastic joke on the podcast or something. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying shit tonight. You know, they, they, they went well and beyond, you know, beyond and uh, above anything I, I could have expected in terms of, you know, nailing the draft, but also, you know, just creating uh, an abundance of flexibility and other, you know, and positioning themselves to to comfortably make some really good moves here as we head into the offseason and free agency. Uh, you know, this this is what dreams are made of, man. Things could easily fall apart in a few days. I, I by no means is the the cat out of the bag as excited I am, you know, as excited as I am. Um I, I'm not um you know I, I'm not you know just ready to say that we're gonna be a contender and you know I'm not irrational. We're never gonna get the irrational takes from 
mainstream mass, but you know, we we will show our optimism, we will show our excitement, but we will at least maintain somewhat, you know, of a, a level headedness. But you know, if this team rounds out over the next uh week or two after some of these moves, then I mean shit, it's gonna be pretty hard for me to be rational on the podcast. Uh if they were to, you know, fill out the rest of the wing spots, um, you know, maybe even add, you know, another big if they're able to um, you know, flip a few of the ones they have or let the white go or whatever. I mean, I don't know if they if they fill in a couple more holes, just you know, I, you know, just essentially make their team a little bit deeper, um, and, and make some trades around the margins, man. Uh, it, they 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 genuinely could be a contender, uh, next year. And I mean, I I don't know how they were able to flip the roadmap that fast because I, I didn't think it was possible, but you know, all hell Nico, man. Yeah, I mean, look, like the the flexibility. Uh, I think will be something that as we inch closer to that June 1st uh, free agent sort of, uh, you know, start date, uh, that flexibility that we created over this, uh, over tonight's draft, I mean, that'll get talked and talked about more and more. Um, You know, that opens up the possibilities to uh, championship level guys. Uh, I mean, Grant Williams, again, that's going to have to be a sign and trade, uh, but that opens up more of a possibility to that. Uh, Bruce Brown, maybe I know that his name has been thrown around. Uh, we definitely have the money now. If we wanted to throw all the money at one guy, uh, Bruce Brown would definitely I mean, be feasible. We didn't even think that there was going to be a free agency for the matter. I mean, for the, yeah, we didn't even really think about unless it. Unless Kyrie left. Yeah, exactly. So, we didn't really think about this. Uh, I mean, now I keep forgetting do you have, that. do you have money to throw at, you know, maybe, uh, um, a Brooke Lopez, like maybe, maybe you have oh, money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have that sort of that that sort of money. Now. Yeah, I mean, like you have that on, flexibility too. Shorter deals, but I mean, I mean, we'll have to look at the free agency pool. I mean, our job got a lot harder, but we're not complaining. I mean, we this is what we it'll love. be fun to watch, this and it'll what, be fun I to mean, cover. Yeah, but this is what we love doing. Yeah, exactly. Man. So, um, uh, just the, the different routes in which they can improve. I, I didn't even anticipate them clearing up cap space. I mean, that that was honestly probably the biggest play because. You know, being able to add a little bit of the increased, you know, flexibility with the trades and everything uh, was one thing. But I, I just didn't, you know, if Kyrie used to come back, I didn't think cap space was even an outlet uh, to the Mavericks doing anything. You know, I thought, you know, they were going to have the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is about half of what the regular mid-level exception is. I knew they'd have that in their back pocket. And, you know, you could probably get a OK rotational player. But you know, that, that five, six million dollar difference from that to the actual mid, mid-level exception is huge. And the Mavericks are cutting so much cost, um, you know, in, in this instance. Um, they're going to be operating under the tax um, when this is all said and done, in all, in all likelihood, and, and unless they do some weird, you know, shit with some of these trades. Something that, you know, was definitely, you know, probably expected. But for the caliber of roster that they are building here, um, that, you know, they were able to position, position themselves in if they were able to come out of the back half of this thing, you know, after free agency, after, you know, making these trades, um, and, you know, and, and they're presumably in position to still be, you know, under the cap only, you know, with, with, of course, the, the mid-level that they use, uh, I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't get too much better than that. I mean, getting off that Breton's contract was, was huge. It was one of the biggest, you know, sort of albatrosses. Um, you know, not just in the NBA, um, uh, but but in pro sports, uh, probably like actually, probably, yeah, I wasn't even, I was, I was going, I was initially going to say not just on the Mavericks, but in the NBA, but I accidentally said the NBA first. So I was like, you know, I got, I got to 
add some hyperbole to this, uh, to how bad the Breton's contract is. But, um, you know, regardless, um, I mean, the getting off that, especially with, you know, the I think he still had another year left or two or whatever. Um, I mean, that has 16 million dollars of dead money off your books. And I mean, now you can prioritize, you know, use the Mavericks are going to have so many guys on rookie deals now, like, you know, just making, you know, jack shit. And then they'll all have the, uh, the ability to just go over the cap in a few years and ride out into the sunset, like the Warriors start a dynasty, just start paying the brigade for everybody, but it doesn't matter because you're making it back by winning the championship every year. And- what is that going to happen? Uh, Jaron, we're in fantasy land. Right we're in now. fantasy land. Okay, yeah. we're we're in our head. We're, yeah, we're we're in our head. Uh, okay, I'll let it ride out. Let it ride. Yeah, out. Keep yeah, going. Keep yeah. going. It's my bad yeah. for ruining. It. My bad. No, it's it's okay. Um, no, but yeah, but like in all seriousness, though, they have set themselves up, in, you know, in a position to, you know, in this in this new instance, right, uh, where they can, you know, bridge the gap from the veteran players that are with Luca right now uh, to some of these younger players that they're developing. Uh, with Jaden Hardy, uh, Olivier, uh, Derek Lively, Josh Green. I, I mean, that's a sort of pseudo young core in itself. That's five individuals right there that can play that are on the young, lineup. That are young. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, positionally, they all project very well together in the future too. I mean, I mean, this is just this is a you know, if I could just live on the day of June twenty third before the season actually starts and my hopes get let down, yeah, you know, I, I would stay here for for quite some time, Jaron, because. Um, you know, this is, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to jinx the Mavericks or anything, man. But, I mean, I, I've definitely closed out a sentence saying this like five times now. But, I mean, this is just – this is like – I couldn't even have imagined draft night going this well. I, I genuinely didn't even think that we would be looking at a position like this. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think that uh, – I do, I do think that we'll probably have a, a podcast tomorrow dissecting everything a little bit more thoroughly – uh, rather than just off the top of the top of the dome like we're going yeah, right now the, but the, to preface that you know we weren't going to you know necessarily get into the actual um you know skill set of some of these guys yeah. obviously we talked about olivier um and you know we'll talk more about Derek lively's role in the mavericks olivier um you know max sense prosper or i guess we just need to start calling him omax because yeah. um you know that, that he's a already long name denoted that on twitter so um, you know, in, in his instance, we'll we'll do a whole profile for him, uh, in w- as well as talking about his expected role for Lively. We'll definitely have a lot of podcasts over him, um, over the summer and stuff. You know, in, in involving him, but admittedly, you know, we already just did a huge profile on him, literally like two three days ago. So we're gonna be plugging that heavily for you guys to go listen to. I'll definitely repost that link, um, for you guys to go listen to, um, the Derek Lively. Uh, player profile um so you know we got that up of course and we'll be dissecting you know his fit more that's something that we didn't necessarily get into heavily with any of the draft profiles we did um so uh, i mean yeah just man it's a it's it's a great day in uh in mainstream mouse dome jaron and you know obviously you know i I was kind of talking in you know hyperbole you know making this out to be some sort of cinderella story in a couple years but i mean all seriousness even if this like doesn't pan out in the long run, you know, you got to give it to Nico for what he did tonight. Cause um, even, even if this shit doesn't work out, you know, I, I'm not even a fault him at that point. It it was not his fault. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, he did. He did everything. He I think could. he did everything he could. Uh, I mean, look, like I said, we could be looking at this draft night in a few years from now, shaking our head, 
Uh, but look, the the moves were right. Uh, I mean, to me, uh, of course, getting Derek Lively, Rashawn Holmes, uh, and Omax in the process is a, a huge, huge plus. But shedding that contract, in my opinion, is one of the bigger non-talked about. Um, Just the fact of, that it created space, so, I, so I much flexibility. Uh, I mean, there's so much possibility now uh, going somewhere, going forward with this summer. So because we 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 thought that any sort of move involving Bertans was going to be something where we were taking a player back to where. We wouldn't, you know, it, it, had that been the instance, uh, the Mavericks would still be, you know, stuck uh, kind of, you know, right-ish above the tax um, if they were to re-sign Kyrie. And, and they wouldn't have the uh, they wouldn't have the um, mid-level exception that it just had the taxpayer. So, I mean, for them to just get off that completely, literally, and still get the, you know, now in hindsight, I can honestly probably say that they would have took Derek Lively at 10. Probably. Any issues with Cam Whitmore. I don't think that they were ready to reach for him whatsoever. So, uh, I mean, they obviously weren't because they didn't take him at 12. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like. I think, you know, as far as best available talent, uh, especially with the whole Cam Whitmore falling, the Mavs at the end of the night made the right move. I think Derek Lively was probably the best available. Um, I I think that had they stayed at 10, like you said, they probably would have gone with Lively at 10. And we would have been questioning. uh, But I think, you know, at at the grand scheme of thing with with Cam Whitmore falling to 20, um, you know, I, I can't be more than happy yeah. uh, with what they did. And they, you know, like I said, shattered a process or uh, shattered yeah, contract I mean, in the process. It, it would have been at least, you know, just a, I would have gave them a, had they, you know, once I saw, had seen Cam, Whit, Cam Whitmore uh, fall to 20, you know, if they had just got lively at 10, you know, I probably would have called it like a, a B draft. I mean, you know, I, it wouldn't have been bad by any means. They just, you know, didn't, you know, I, I, they just didn't do anything extremely out of And that would have been the only move that they yeah. could have made because they couldn't have gone yeah. into that uh, 24 spot yeah. with that uh, no-trade exception. So, No, yeah, I mean, we would probably rip them for not making a trade, but, you know, like, best player available. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's just crazy how the tides turned and Nico did something that, you know, we couldn't even have expected in in, in terms of the flexibility play that he did here uh, and really our, our, our wildest thoughts. And, you know, we – drag on the shit out of our podcast so you can imagine that we, we talk about some very you know non-important stuff and none of it really ends up ever coming into fruition but you know we maybe one day some of it will uh maybe one day but, but we did talk about oliver maxian's uh prosper on our big uh our big board draft preview uh to start the day today very briefly he was one of the guys that we mentioned the mavericks could trade you know trade back uh for in the you know you know late first round second round um, you know, just kind of mentioned he's a good defensive wing, and I mean, boom. Yeah, now now he's yeah, here. Now, now he's happens, here. So. Uh, I mean, like I said, you know, it opens up flexibility, opens up roster spots. Uh, there's a lot to be done. Uh, you know, I, I don't think if you're a Mavs fan, you should be satisfied by any means if they do in the offseason this way. But there's definitely optimism. No, uh, but as Nico there's... said, you know, there's still moves to be made. Uh, and look, uh, I mean, we thought this team was three, four trade or three or four moves away from. Uh, being at that quote-unquote championship roster level, but they've already made two tonight. I think we could see up to five moves. Yeah, if the Mavericks are really going all in, pushing their chips, wanting to win a championship and also keep kind of a future core, uh, I think that they they probably go yeah. with four to five moves. And, and that, yeah, seems to be what they're doing. I mean, you know, being able to, you know, build a championship contender or get a little – you know, younger is a win in itself, you know, whatever direction that they chose to go in that aspect. I mean, maybe the younger, you know, aspect, you may not agree with that because 
that may lead to you know Luca leading down the line if if things don't materialize quickly enough. Um, but I mean, even then, it's it's not bad to to add youth to a roster, um, in any capacity, you know, or to, you know, obviously push all the chips in, and and the fact that they were able to do that and still have that, you know, sort of a blanket of security in their future, um, with some of the moves that they made here is a promising. That's a, that's a that that's some high class DMing. That's that's why you know as as heady as you know me and Jaron may be to your average you know, NBA fan. That's why, like, some, you know, dumbass 20-year-olds like us aren't up in uh, the Mavericks front office right now. Absolutely. Yes. And, uh, and maybe one day, though. Maybe, maybe one day. Maybe, maybe one, one day. day. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> and in, 20, in, in, in 2045, you, you, you'll uh, you'll catch me uh, um, profiling profiling uh, LeBron's daughter. Um, I'll, I'll handpick the uh, selection. For for Mark Cuban, your hand. Yes, the first admitted first uh first woman ever to play in the NBA. Yeah. She's going to be selected. Um, uh, the seventh overall. No, pick. she's going to be Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, sure. Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, yeah, because okay. you know we we Mark Cuban, uh, you know he he has a thing for those uh those those blowing off those picks in the fifties yeah. with yes. uh Satnam Singh and others. So, um, and that's not to to that's not to knock uh WNBA players in any capacity. I was just more so memeing LeBron and. Um, the fact that one more of his kids would be in the NBA, um, but you know, it if a WNBA player actually does make it to the NBA one day, uh, I give them all the props in the world because that would be uh, one of the more accomplished endeavors in sports history. Probably. Absolutely. Um, but you know, that that we're honestly veering too off topic. What an exciting day! Um, you know, I, I'm sorry that this isn't normal compared to our, you know, some of our podcasts where we get more into the you know, intricacies of the on the court stuff. But I mean, you know, just as a Mavericks fan and somebody that covers this team religiously and, you know, is dialed into basically everything they do. Um, you know, we just really don't have much complaints. And uh, I mean, Jaron, I think, you know, you definitely uh, encapsulated my excitement um, the most uh, when you talked about those quotes that Lively the second had, as well as, uh, you know, as, as well as Omax had um, that, that sort of came out. Um, post draft, where I think I know Lively had talked in '97. One, you know, the Ben and Skin show, the the freak. I think Mark Stein was up on there and stuff. He talked to them and just talked about his willingness to, you know, you know, be a system player, work hard, do whatever the team needs. You know, from a rim protection standpoint, you know, and helping his teammates and alleviating pressure. You know, Omax, you know, very selfless individual as well. Um, gave very similar quotes, you know, about playing with two superstars and, I mean, very in depth quotes for uh, a guy that. Um, you know, is from uh, I correct me if I'm wrong. This is, could be a huge mishap on my part, but I believe English is in his first language. Uh, um, I'm not sure. It might be French, but I know he's French. Canadian. Yeah, he's so Canadian. He, it'd he be could, French Canadian. I only I, guess, but... I only uh, assume that due to the French accent. He does um, have a little bit yeah, of an accent. So, um, but I mean, that could you know not be the case whatsoever. I don't I don't know, but um, you know, he he went fully in in depth on some of those those answers i was wildly impressed just from any young player uh from that perspective even if he's he's not even you know inhibited by you know a language barrier or anything i mean he he talked a lot about uh you know how the you know guys his age you know have a tendency to just want to be that guy but he's just so willing to come in and work and play within the system and earn his stripes i mean i don't know man i'm I'm getting some huge uh i'm getting some aminu vibes um but uh, almost like a more like driven uh sort of uh a new version and uh i mean 
obviously the Tyson Chandler comparisons are already starting with Derek Lively. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the archetype. Uh, that is that, the archetype that, is, that we need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's me and Jaron talked about that. I mean, that that is like what he projects to be if everything turns out what you know, potentially even with a jump shot, if that if that's something that you know ends up coming into fruition, but that's probably definitely not a day one thing. Um, but you know, Tyson Chandler tweeted at him. I don't know if you saw that. I, I, I didn't see the full tweet, but he tweeted at him. He's like, he said something along the lines of like, let's get to work. I know Tri- Tyson's been doing some player developmental uh, stuff for the Mavericks uh, kind of in and out. And especially uh, at that G League. Yeah. Level, so, and uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, de- I wouldn't be surprised if he gets added onto the Mavericks main staff next year as an assistant coach, especially with a young big like Lively now. I mean, it would be the perfect. Uh, that actually would be the and, perfect dynamic uh, coach mean, yeah. player duo. I mean, he's literally, yeah, essentially young Tyson. If, if things do end up panning out, and by no means am I, uh, you know, comparing him to Tyson uh, on the aspect of how good he is, because he has a lot of work to do to get to that level, uh, to say the least, on a consistent basis to be the, you know, the championship, you know, center anchor on a, you know, on a title team, of course, but. I mean, no, this is just a huge win overall, man. And I, like I said, I, I just wanted to, you know, end off on, you know, what those guys had said because, you know, not only did the Mavericks, you know, get players that are talented and um, they they perceive um, are going to come in and, you know, work hard for them, um, but, you know, also are, you know, so skilled and things of that nature. They also have some extremely high character guys, um, you know, definitely guys that will be great locker room guys, not cocky whatsoever, extremely humble and um, guys that, you know, just are, you know, itching to get in there and, you know, get better at basketball. And, um, you know, to find that combination of personalities as, as well as skill is, is a rarity. I mean, you don't have um, guys that, you know, are usually that humble, that that good in the community uh, that, that kind of fall into your lap like that. So it, it's a. It's a it, it's gonna be a fun night at uh at the mainstream map set up here afterwards is all I'm gonna say. Yeah, no, for sure. Look, I mean, I think that probably wraps it up. But uh, yeah, fun night, fun draft night. Definitely one of the more active, uh, favorable, fun draft nights in a very long time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for yes. free agency to start on July first. Yes. I'm excited to see what the Mavericks could possibly no. do. Uh, whenever rounding out this roster. Yes. No, there's a. A lot to be excited for. And we're going to be back tomorrow. I mean, I'm happy the draft was a little earlier in hindsight, Jaron, because it gives us a little more of a, you know, uh, a sort of leeway to, you know, kind of get some of these podcasts out um, as, as we approach July 1st. Because had it been like last year, I think, where it was like June 26th, that would have been a real quick yeah. turnaround. And that would have been a kind of hard to pull off. But we definitely have some time to get into some other podcasts that we'd like to do. I mean, shit, we're probably going to be podcasting damn near every day till free agency, probably till the climax is over. Um, uh, that, you know, was not intended to sound sexual in any aspect, but, you know, that I have a tendency to do that. And uh, that's where we're going to go ahead. And we're going to end it right there. So, <laughs> how many podcasts have we ended like that? Oh, uh, so many. A lot more recently. Yeah, a lot more recently. Um, and it shows we're just getting too comfortable on the microphone. If you want to see us get really comfortable on the microphone, Go check out our live stream. You can actually see our live reaction to when Omax was traded, um, as well as the uh, Derek Lively pick. Now, uh, I will preface that we were disappointed. Much at more first, negative. Uh, at the Derek <laughs> for about Lively three minutes. For, yeah. And, and then um, about the second that, uh, who was it? Uh, Toronto picking at 13? Toronto picked Grady Dick yeah, at 13. Yeah, they picked Grady Dick at 13. And we were uh, 
we were completely okay after that. And we were just got uber excited and started posting over Twitter and stuff. So, uh, you know, just, just recognize that that was not due to the player that lively is, or the fact that the Mavericks said salary, um, getting back. Uh, we just earnestly did not think something was that drastically wrong with Cam Whitmore and could not fathom the fact that they were passing him up at 12. Um, but once we, you know, our feeble brains had kind of comprehended everything, everything was okay, but we were really excited when the OMAX news dropped. Uh, we were talking to our boy, Chris, uh, who we did the fire Mark Cuban. Yeah, fire Mark with. Cuban. Yep. Um, and he, uh, and he was like, he was like texting us. Um, and he, he said like, some news dropped and then we checked at our phone and we got, it was a really cool um, enigmatic uh, sort of exciting, yeah. uh, um, you know, reaction. So if you guys want to see me and Jaron um, not be emotionless uh, for uh, maybe a period of about a minute, then you can go do that. Uh, Cause we are uh, very monotone in nature on here and we need to improve on that, but uh, we'll have future podcasts to do that. And we'll have future podcasts coming out tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day as we continue to, you know, wrap up the draft coverage and, you know, everything that's sort of came out, out of this, um, as well as, you know, I, I think we definitely need to get a little bit more into the, uh, the, the two-way guys and some of that stuff. I mean, we obviously kind of briefly touched on it, but of course we also got Mike Miles and, uh, and Jordan Walker. And, you know, I haven't even dug heavily into either of those guys. I know, you know, a little bit about Mike Miles, but all signs point towards both of these guys um you know at least being uh some some summer league studs if nothing else so i mean uh i know mike miles is confirmed on two-way i don't know about jordan walker but um you know we'll definitely you know micro analyze them a little bit more and it's it's going to be a fun time this is the uh this is the the prime of the off season it gets pretty rough um after about a month from now so yeah. we're going to enjoy the good times and let them roll um while they last if if they continue to last so uh, this has been the Mainstream Mouse Podcast, of course, with Will and Jaron. Make sure to get us get at us on YouTube. Uh, we posted like a quadrillion podcasts over the next over the few, last few days, and probably will over the next few days. This one will be up there, as, of course, as well. But you can also go to our live stream section on YouTube uh, under the uh, live, and uh, you can rewatch our live stream. It's it's a whole like three hours, so uh, you know it, you would have to have a lot of free time to to watch all of that. I don't know how much I'd recommend that. But, you know, kind of maybe, you know, skip past the beginning where, um, you know, before the draft starts and once you get to the, um, you know, the sort of cream of the crop, we had some pretty good uh, draft discussions, not just about the Mavericks, but about the whole NBA. And that one, it was uh, something that we kind of plan to expand upon in the future, uh, do more of those, uh, you know, when the, uh, the timing is right. Obviously, due to our, you know, Twitter going down and everything, we didn't have as large of an audience as we want to in there, but we, we have plans on getting that much bigger in the future. So it was definitely a good startup and we enjoyed interacting with those of you guys who uh, joined when you did. Um, also make sure to get us, a, get at us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Um, we're virtually anywhere where you get podcasts, whether it be Amazon music, Google podcasts, we're on almost any podcast platform. But um, if you are going to subscribe to us uh, or, or turn on post notifications for our podcast on wherever you're listening, uh, make sure you also give us a five-star review or or just rate us five stars, whatever. Uh, however you can show love, if you do feel so inclined, uh, we would really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. And, uh, you know, any positive feedback or negative feedback or uh, reciprocity on some things we should do, uh, just let us know. We're, we're open to it all. And uh, also make sure to, of course, follow the Twitter where all these things will be posted. It's a revolving cycle of 
mainstream Mavs uh, content just getting uploaded on there every day. So uh, main at mainstream two one four. Uh, follow us on the Twitter. And uh, with that being said, this has been uh, our our sort of reaction to the uh, Mavericks twenty twenty three NBA draft. Darren, before uh, we're going to end off the podcast on a grade, what's your grade for the day? Uh, we'll go with A plus because they set themselves up. Yeah, no, I already said it in the podcast, but A plus and um, my hairline, my haircut today, uh, we'll give that maybe a we'll say we'll say just a maybe an A minus, maybe a B plus. Uh, a little less uh, of the uh, the Mavericks train that we saw today. So yes, it's. Looking good, but you know, not as good as the Mavericks. So. No, no, yeah, yeah. It definitely. If I perhaps maybe cut up a Dirk silhouette in the back there you or go. something of that. You nature. got the you got the ninety eight draft Dirk haircut right now. So, oh, geez. and I mean, not a bad look by any means, but oh. it, it could use some work. No, I'm just playing. Uh, it's honestly not that bad. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye bye. <laughs>